Welcome to the Radical Departures podcast, your source for startup storytelling. We're your hosts, Abby and Chris. You'll hear informative discussions full of valuable expertise and actionable insight on the issues you face when launching and growing your startup. This is episode 26 of the Radical Departures podcast. Our guest today is Arthur Noble, founder of FlexPat, a platform that hosts remote work programs for digital professionals and freelancers of all stripes. In this episode, Arthur shares with us how FlexPat works to open new horizons for people to work remotely, taking their jobs on the road to FlexPat's thoroughly scouted locations around the world. You'll hear more about how FlexPat's programs offer the chance to remote and location-independent workers to build a worldwide community and to experience true cultural immersion without all the headaches that planning a life abroad usually holds. So without further ado, here's episode 26 with Arthur Noble. So we're here today with Arthur Noble, co-founder of the Dutch startup Flexpat. Welcome, Arthur. Thank you very much. Why don't you tell us about your background and what led you to create Flexpat? So hi, everyone. I'm uh, Arthur, co-founder at Flexpat. Flexpat is a community-based program where you go with a group of professionals around the world and live every month in a different city and work remotely. And basically, how I started it was that um, I was looking for a job. And I was looking for a challenging job on the one hand, where I could also travel the world. So I was looking around, but unfortunately, I couldn't find it. So I started basically Flexpad. But just only looking, let's say, to a dream was not something I wanted to do. So I also did like a lot of research to find out whether, you know, it's really a serious concept, because it's a bit out of the box, of course. And we saw so much interest from people. So we started to go for, for it. And then... A holiday where I went to became sort of the inspiration of how to build a concept. Because in the past, I went to uh, Iran and I went with like one of my very best friends. But the reason the holiday was so great there wasn't just because I went there with great friends, but also just because I met there these amazing local Iranians who shared with me their food, their friends. They told me all types of stories. And therefore, I really was able to experience like uh, Iran sort of as a local. And that then became sort of the basis for uh, Flexpad. What kind of professionals is it geared towards? Professionals, it's geared toward, I would say, I, I assume you meant, let's say, from their functional background. If I look for the functional background, it's like tech, so developers, online marketeers, and designers. But we also see you know, people, finance professionals, people with a legal background, even HR people. Let's say we always make the joke internally, you know, if you can work in a Starbucks, you probably are fitted for the program. The people that are with Flexpat, are they typically from certain countries? Do you have more people from certain places than others? Yeah, so we definitely see people, we, we see most of attention from Europeans, Northern Americans, and people from Oceania, so Australia and New Zealand. However, we also... We got applicants from people from over 150 countries. So we definitely see it's, let's say, global concept. But I mean, truth to be told, we also see that the passport, let's say, has an influence in people, you know, like being able to travel around the world and therefore also for them to sign up for a concept like ours. And so how does the platform work? If I wanted to sign up, 
do you match professionals with companies? What, how does it work exactly? Good question. So you land on the website, there you see the apply button, uh, you click on the apply button and go through the process. Then once you sort of sign up, you are basically invited for like an introductory call. And in this introductory call, we try to understand, you know, if you align basically well for the program, if this is really something for you. So we answer a lot of questions, you know, that you might have, but also we look, you know, if there is like a fit in the broader community and then just to take away uh, one misunderstanding, we don't provide the job. So we only look in this application process to see if you fit to travel with us around the world during these four months in four different uh, locations. So that's what we look for. And then after this introductory call, you uh, basically get an, get an invitation and then you, know, you have the payment procedures and then you basically make a down payment. And with a down payment, you secure your spot in the program. Then basically you're re ready to go. How involved are you? You're not providing the jobs, but you're helping guide people towards specific jobs or you sort of have a network of people that would have jobs for the FlexPat uh, subscription people? Yeah, it's actually like an, an interesting point that you mentioned because the concept developed in a way that we were first thinking uh, like, like about jobs. But currently what we, uh, what, what we see where we focus on at, let's say, as target market is that we focus on entrepreneurs, on freelancers, but also about, let's say, remote working employees and employees that basically can convince their boss to go with us. So usually we don't have to provide the jobs. That's actually the insight that we got. But if people still, you know, like uh, have to convince their bosses or they have to look for a remote job, yes, we can provide content. And yes, we know the parties will basically help with that and we direct them to them. So what is the primary service that you are offering with FlexPat? You're helping people get established in these four different locations? So yeah, the primary service that we provide is let's say we're a community-based work and travel program where you uh, go in four months to four locations around the world. And what we provide then is that we help with the logistics. So stuff like accommodation, the workplace, making sure there is internet, helping with activities to go into the local scene. So that's the logistics part. Then we also have the community part, which I actually think is the, the most important thing. So bringing these people together so that they can really build relationships, you know, from the professional side, but also from more like the social side, because there are not so many people who want, who say like, yeah, you know, I'm going for four months to live somewhere on, on my own. So this community part is then very important as well as that we really integrate into the local scene so that you can really experience the city like a local. And therefore, you know, also our concept is tailored towards, you know, really giving this cultural experience. Yeah, because I think for people, when you go abroad, especially if you're living and working there, that's always the hardest thing is having that network of people on the ground. And it's even for people that come to some place like Paris, there's often a period where it can be very challenging to get established. And when you don't know people, it's really, really hard. Yeah, exactly. And usually exactly what you say, it, it takes time to, to build basically your network. And if you are, let's say, only somewhere, you know, for one month or yeah, in our case, you know, it's one month per, per destination, then it's very hard, you know, to integrate well 
that's in terms of social side, but also like, you know, to really know these, these hidden gems, right? I mean, you know, uh, most likely a lot of things in Paris that I would never figure out if I would come there and would read like TripAdvisor and Culture Trip and those type of websites. So that's definitely a platform like ours comes in and really helps to, we always make this claim and it might sound arrogant, but to deliver a better experience than you could do on your own. Yes, you can definitely live abroad yourself, but it's about you know the value that we provide so that you just get the max out of this you know, life-changing experience. I went to Malaysia, to Kuala Lumpur. That was my first uh, time I ever lived abroad. So it was also quite a step, let's say, into the deep, <laughs> going to Asia and then working for a local SME there. And it was not really interested, let's say, in the expat scene or basically it didn't really fit me. So it really took me quite a long time to get up and running. And yeah, the, the more, let's say, different the culture becomes of where you are from and the more different it is, the harder it is to basically in integrate. I'm curious if any of your any of the alumni of Flexpad have actually gone back to any of the places to live more permanently. At the moment, basically, we uh, are building, I'd say, the program to go live on the 1st of April. So at the moment, we don't have the, the alumni in place. However, we, what we see, though, is that we, let's say, we set up the structure for, for alumni to afterwards, let's say, connect with each other and be sure, you know, that they can also go themselves to certain uh, places. That's actually the alumni network becomes so interesting because, you know, this is basically what flows out naturally out of the community. People that are in the community, they're coordinating, they're talking amongst themselves via you have a portal or do you guys do things on Facebook or how does that interaction work? So the community, they communicate with each other, let's find it like via portal. So we have a, we have a community portal, but what we mostly do for, let's say, the groups when they are very close, you know, like two weeks in, in advance, we, we open like a Slack group. We open them like a, like a channel where they, let's say, can ask specific questions or even, even complaints or concerns they have about all types of topics. There we open, let's say, like, like, a, channel, like a channel for that. And also what we will do when the, when the people ar arrive, of course, you know, we will like, organize these meeting greets. And next to that, we will have, let's say, just like a, as simple as a WhatsApp group for when the, when the group is live with each other you know, and traveling around the world. Of course, you mean there are different channels, but we want to make it as the threshold as low as possible to communicate with each other. And do you find in your experience so far, are there certain countries where people are more or less accommodating to foreigners that want to come and work there and live there? Yeah, I would definitely say that if you look like to the broader scene, I mean, some people refer them to, let's say, to digital nomads. We stay a bit away from this, from the connotation that digital nomads have because we have very professional, high quality people who don't basically always like to <laughs> be phrased that way, be called that way. But we see in the broader digital nomad scene is that, let's say, Thailand is very open towards it. Medellin in Colombia is like a big spot. Bali is, I mean, who, does, who cannot like Bali, right? So that's why it's like a popular, popular scene. Um, I would say in Europe, you have like Lisbon, which is also more popular mm -hmm. um, and countries which are let's say not so open to it at the moment yeah that usually has to do with with the internet i have not seen countries let's say really being against this moment this movement so much i've only seen let's say countries where the internet is not so not so fast and therefore they can't accommodate people 
Right. And of course, I mean, what is expensive, right? I mean, like Hong Kong is obviously a great city to go, really love it. But on the other hand, I mean, you have to earn something if you want to live there for one month. What are some of the cities that would be some of the, the best uh, bang for the buck, as we say, that are cheap, where you can live really well, it's fun? What cities would you put on the map for that? Like uh, like our program, we would go to one month, first month to Marrakesh. So you go to Northern Africa, and then you go to one month to Barcelona. Then you go to, let's say, Bali, where there is a lot of tranquility. And then the last month, we go to Seoul. And therefore, yeah, I really have this sort of different cultures. So there are these big differences, what you experience. But together, I mean, they sort of uh, balance each other out. And you can really have like a sort of a sneak preview of the whole world cultures. That's, that's how I would fix it. Now, is that the full list of the cities that you guys work with? Or are there other cities as well that are part of the program? So for the first program, this will be the cities where we will go for. But we're working hard already, let's say, behind the scenes to launch, let's say, like new, launch new programs with new cities. And so from the time you first came up with the idea to now you're going live uh, shortly, how has your own evolution, how has that gone? Is it the same today as you originally thought or, or have you thought, ah, maybe we need to change this a little bit, we need to tweak this? Very interesting question. And <laughs> the, the question is here, like the vision has always stayed the same. So we started with this big vision of saying like, this lifestyle, which so many people like to, we just have to enable this to the masses. We, we still are, but also we started very ambitious. We basically approached the general public. And we also started basically saying like, yeah, we should pro start providing jobs to the people because we figured out that, that this was like a big pain point for the people. But then we sort of realized at some point that the concept we're after and this lifestyle is, let's say, quite revolutionary and that the general public, but also companies, we're not really exactly ready always for this, let's say, this change in mind. So we figured out that we had to approach, let's say, and realize our vision by taking small steps, one step after the other. And the first step that we now see is that there are millions of people that already work remotely, that already can live this way, but they basically struggle to do so. And they struggle because of the logistical aspect, the social aspect, to just call a few. And therefore, let's say we decided to launch this more travel-based, community-based remote work and travel program. So we shifted, let's say, a way to make, let's say, this first step possible. And do you find, are there more women? Are there more men? If there are more men or more women, we see maybe slightly more men, but in general, we don't see, we don't see big differences. Oh, cool. And also, and to be honest, for the, for the community itself, for the program, we try to balance it out too. So we aim for like a like a 50-50 split. So somewhere along those lines in the eventual program. And roughly speaking, what's the average age of the participants? Yeah, very interesting question. Like I would say in general, a lot of people think that people who like this lifestyle, that they are, let's say, very young. They're just like first out of college. But what we see is that the people generally are between their, let's say, 28 and 38 years old, something something along along those lines. So it are usually people who have a bit more experience or let's say well-educated, like good professionals who are interested in this. The people that are 
the community that's on the ground, how do you find those people? What's their background? What's their background look like? So the, the people we basically get on, on, on the ground, I mean, these are usually like local. So we are, let's say, quite authentic, but also like very, very enthusiastic. And how we sort of find them. I mean, fortunately, there are like a lot of peer-to-peer tour guide platforms out there nowadays. And mm-hmm. with that, basically, you find, let's say, your first lead in terms of like, hey, are, are you interested in doing this? Or do you also know somebody else who can do it? And then usually you just get to to like a few local people who can um, who, who can do it. But then also, I mean, you have, let's say, some selection procedures to make sure that somebody, you know, doesn't cannot only talk well, enthusiastic in nature, but is also, you know, like a responsible person who can really host people on the ground. But we also have, let's say, program leaders who go with the trips. So it's also, they also basically take care of the situation and they, they are our own people carefully vetted to make sure that, you know, everything will happen well. And what about the FlexPat team? Are all of you based in Rotterdam or are you guys also kind of scattered around? We are definitely scattered around. I mean, actually the first guy that ever joined the team, I mean, I can highlight him here, is, is David. And... David and I connected via Facebook in the Digital Nomads Around the World Facebook group. So, I mean, <laughs> how good can you get it? And David is, let's say, he's American, but like living in Bali, Vietnam, in Thailand. So, yeah, that's definitely like a sort of model entrepreneur and this model employee. But the rest of the team, we also have, let's say, a, a couple sitting with us here in Rotterdam. But now with these sort of trips popping up, this allows, let's say, the whole team to go global. And together with the other remote workers that we have, then we really have this vision to really be distributed company all around the globe, but still have the office as sort of a community place to meet each other so that we live the concept uh, ourselves. So tell us about the funding of the company. Are you guys organically funded? Are you raising money? Is it something you're looking at doing? So we raised um, money in this case from uh, angel investors, that is like the stage we're in. And the reason why we decided to go for investment is basically we look to three variables. One is, let's say, how scalable is your business? The second, let's say, how much capital is needed to get this off the ground? And the third one is basically how big is the market? Let's say in our case, just be honest, it was possible to get break even without external funding. So we could have decided to not go for funding. However, we're such big believers in this lifestyle and we really believe, you know, this becomes like the future of living and that if we raise funding, we can win the market. And for that, you actually just need external funding. And like on top of that, we also saw that we can making like a lot of upfront investments that we can make the experience just much better, just the whole infrastructure, what customers will experience. And without, you know, external investments, that's just harder. You can just have a bigger impact. With, uh, with funding. We reached out externally to uh, like a, a lot of people with a lot of different strategies, um, but we managed to convince like a few, I would say, quite reputable angel investors. So some are from the internet scene, some like from the HR scene, some from the, uh, from the, from the travel industry. And then we have like a few more. And where we put, really put like a lot of effort in, and what we now also see that pays off, is that to put a lot of effort on, you know, do you have the same vision? Do you trust each other uh, and also can they give advice? And all of that is there. So they also really help us to build uh, the business. So for us, it's really turned out well to go for funding. 
Is that something you foresee having to raise money again in the future, or you think this will get things running? So it definitely got things running, but we will for sure raise more money in the future. It's a bit like milestone-based. So you you hit your milestone, and then you can, let's say, look for external funding again. And that's also what we believe we can do. Because if you now just look to how many remote workers there are, let's say there are, let's say, around the world, a couple of million already. If you all want to serve them, and let's say we go and set it up in, let's say, 100 countries, then there is some money involved. If you want to do that organically, then just the time, it will just take too long. And what, what have you seen so far has been the biggest obstacle to building out FlexPad? The biggest obstacle for starting FlexPad? It's a very interesting question to think about. I would say to really get your to get the right team and to really get that off the ground, you know, to find that the right people in your in your team. On the other hand, I mean, you're starting a very revolutionary concept, and therefore, like, you need to have, to educate a lot of people around it. That has also been like a big challenge. I would right. say t- team plus the mindset, let's say, in in the industry in general, mm-hmm. have been like the biggest challenges. And how do you guys see moving the company forward? So we definitely like have this long-term plan, how we want to roll it out, let's say, in terms of cities, but also in terms of extra products that we envision, because we believe you know, we're in a global market with global customers. So that is definitely how we foresee it, it going. But on the other hand, I mean, based on the lean startup method, of course, we definitely use like input what we get from customers along the way to constantly let's say make the program better so that we in the end of the day deliver something that our current customers like but also future customers will like but the whole operational plan we definitely you know have that laid out for more long-term purposes you would continue building out like additional cities in europe additional cities in africa things like that yeah exactly there is like there are some aspects how how i think that is currently not done in the market and i cannot of course, exactly lay that out. But yeah, definitely um, what you say. You want to have, let's say, in many cities, like this presence so that people in the future do not have to decide between four cities, 10 cities, 20 cities, but they can just go to like hundreds of cities. So we like to, to finish up by asking everyone, all of our guests, how would you define success? What is success to you personally and what will be success for FlexPad? Wow, what an insightful question. What, what success <laughs> is for me <laughs> and, and, for, and for the company? I would say for the company, it's easier than for myself, but I definitely don't think, let's, let's say, financial things are not my driver, which I think a lot of people assume with, uh, with starting as an entrepreneur and reading about all the successful startups. But for, for myself, it would really be, we had like this joke in a company, you know, this tagline of saying like changing lives. But in the end of the day, that's that's how I would see it for myself. I really believe that this lifestyle is something many people aspire, but just don't do or can do it. So helping them, so to really have this impact on society, that is what I that what really drives me forward from let's say from the company perspective. And from a personal perspective, I means success for me, I would say. I mean it's a com- combination of having um, always look like say two four aspects, like you have health. You have relationships, like there is some spiritual aspect of it. And in the end of the day, it's also like success in work. So I always try to balance these four aspects. And if I then have, let's say, impact with FlexPet on society, then I'm like a happy person. 
that wraps up another episode of the Radical Departures podcast. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter and join us next time on Radical Departures.